0: Hey, welcome to Long Distance Sisters. I'm Tori. I'm McKenna. And I'm Serena.
1: Come chat with us, while we're far apart. Okay, let's get started. You you bought me? I bought you like a four pack of lip glosses, and then when you went back to school, you like left them and I took my favorite. Someone else intro because I'm going to be talking a lot. Hey, what's up, you guys?
0: Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Hi. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode. Is it nine now? Nine of the Long Distance Sisters podcast. Today we are going into Tori's profession again of physical therapy with a specialization in like women's health and and the pelvic floor. And what, you're also getting some kind of certificate in period coaching? Yeah. So today is going to be a lot of period talk, birth control, stuff like that. And you guys should definitely follow Tori on her TikTok at the Virgo underscore PT. Yep. Yeah. Very informative. I always learn stuff on there. Mm -hmm. So very very entertaining too. Good job on your TikTok, Tori. And our TikTok is at long distance sisters three. Just FYI. Says
2: we three sisters. Mm-hmm. All right. Throw your questions at me, girls. McKenna, you may start
0: if you wish.
1: Okay. So your TikTok kind of makes me scared of my hormonal birth control. <laughs> um, but And this happened a few weeks ago. I kind of already asked for this question. Um, But my birth control prescription is up. Should I renew it?
2: Good question. I would say if you're not 100% sure you want to stop, then yes, renew it, because it's better to have it on hand than to not have it and wish you had it. So yes, renew it. But there's a lot that goes into making the decision about birth control that is not often talked about at the doctor's office when you're getting it prescribed. Um, They really don't educate patients at all on what it does or how it works or what it does for your cycle or not for it. And a lot of women are just thrown on it without regard to the effects, whether that's side effects directly from the drug or just the effects on your whole cycle. Um, And so, now it's becoming more and more prevalent and talk about you know contraception and periods and things that birth control isn't what it says it is or isn't what it's been made out to be um, in that a lot of people or a lot of women um, or just uterus owners right are put onto birth control because they have irregular cycles or they have really painful periods okay about 60 percent actually of people put onto it are put on for that over 60 percent um and it's kind of makes this impression that it will fix irregularity in your period or um you know whatever is causing pain or the irregularity Um, but in reality it's just using pseudo hormones to replace your natural hormones and kind of like band-aid your cycle or mask whatever is causing that pain and that irregularity and make it appear like your cycle is normal. But the period that you get while you're on birth control is kind of like a, a fake period. It's you're bleeding because the pill is making you bleed in order to kind of reassure you that you're not pregnant, but you, there's no medical necessity. It's not actually a real period. Um, and if you were put on it for a pain or regularity or whatever, if you stop taking birth control, for example, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant or something one day, then all of those problems are still going to exist because the pill doesn't actually fix or solve any of it. It just kind of covers it up for the time being while you're on the pill. And so then a lot of women have irregularity or really painful periods and the time that they're maybe trying to conceive and it just makes things a lot harder than if the doctor had worked on fixing the root cause of the problem in the first place, instead of just kind of covering it up with birth control. Does that make sense? So it really it, deciding whether or not to renew, it depends on your health goals. For example, if your goal is to one day become pregnant and you already know you have had an irregular cycle before you started birth control, then Maybe you want to consider trying to get your cycle on track now when you, you know, you're not in a rush to conceive, then, you know, have it become a really big stressor in the future. Um, Or if you just want to get away from medication want your body to run its natural course, um, or, you know, just you want to know that you've taken care of a problem for good, it might be time to kind of let your period run its natural course and try and solve it, you know, with. A lot of it is honestly lifestyle changes. It's what you're eating. It's what's causing inflammation. It's stress. It's sleep. It's all these things which can be big, heavy topics to try to talk about and change, but they can make a big difference for your period. And your period is important. It's kind of like a monthly report card or a vital sign even, some say, because if something is going on with your period, it means something is going on in your body or your hormonal system that could be addressed.
1: Interesting. Don't answer
2: your question. Yeah. Does it make you think about your birth control?
1: Um, No, cause nothing really changed except for like, I know like pretty much to the day when my next period is gonna start. Mm-hmm. But like, I didn't have any issues beforehand.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah, if your reason to be on birth control is purely for, you know, pregnancy prevention, and you know that before you went on it, you had pretty regular periods, you're probably fine staying on it, unless you're just of the mindset that you want, you know, to be totally natural. Um, but it's if you were put on it for a problem, such as painful periods, irregularity, um, acne, things like that then going off it could actually be more beneficial or if you're on it. And you had all that regularity and you just started for birth control or for pregnancy prevention. But then maybe now you feel like, man, I have this nagging fatigue that won't go away. Or I have this weight gain that I can't seem to get control of. Or, you know, I have this headache every day at three o'clock, you know, like weird things like that, that you can't explain or kind of get control of it is highly likely that it's linked to your hormonal system and since birth control was the change in that and it's you know the steady proponent in your body it likely could be linked to that and so how sorry
1: so how long before um before we want to start having children should we go off birth control
2: okay so it depends okay It depends what your cycle was like before. If your cycle was pretty normal before, you'll probably get right back on track within three to four months. Sometimes, you know, give or take a month. If your cycle was really irregular before, it could take you, you know, a year or more of implementing change to get your cycle to be more regular and to know that you're ovulating consistently because you need ovulation to become pregnant. And while you're on hormonal birth control, you're not ovulating. Um, There are some IUDs that allow ovulation, but even
1: then, they're suppressed indirectly often. Gotcha. Serena, your question? Maybe you can answer this, maybe you can't, I don't
0: know. But um, so I also take hormonal birth control, and uh, when we were on vacation, I got my period into my third week of the four week cycle and then I also had it again during that fourth week of like where you either have nothing or iron supplements or whatever Mm -hmm. what how
2: (laughs) okay so a few answers I know a little bit of your history so I know you're low in iron so when we're low in iron we can bleed a little bit excessively because your blood is a little bit thinner And so you bleed for longer Um, and it's not necessarily consistent because it can be impacted by any factors that occurred, you know, during that cycle, like you were sick during that cycle. So that could throw off your hormones. You were stressed or traveling a lot or whatever during that cycle out of your normal routine, all these little changes, you were at a higher altitude because you were in Colorado Um, So all of those things can definitely affect your hormones and your blood too, like even just the higher altitude can make your blood thinner and things like that. So on top of the iron. So it's really, that's why we say it's like a monthly report card. It kind of shows you everything that went on in your body that month can affect that cycle. You can also have prolonged bleeding because sometimes women bleed during ovulation and maybe spot in between ovulation and their period and then their period starts so they might feel like it, they bled all the way through likely however that bleeding during ovulation and that spotting is pretty light and then when your period starts you know you'll start having maybe some heavier days but yeah and there's a lot of things that can cause heavy bleeding in terms of hormonal balance but for someone who is on birth control those are the likely causes um, or the third one is just if you are taking your birth control inconsistently during that like, cycle, like maybe not taking it at the same time every day or you missed a few days, that kind of stuff. Or, sorry,
0: <laughs>
2: if the few months prior you skipped the sugar pills so that you skipped your period, oftentimes if you skip your period by like not taking the placebo pills at the end of the pack, if you always skip those so that you don't get a period, you're eventually going to have what we call a breakthrough bleed which is where your uterus is just too overwhelmed because there's been a little bit extra buildup of waste and it just has to bleed and it might not be at the right time, quote unquote.
0: Oh, okay, interesting.
2: Yeah.
0: I didn't even know you could skip those, that's weird. Okay. Um,
2: it, I don't recommend it, but at the same time, there's no medical necessity to have a period while you're on the pill or any hormonal birth control. So it's really just
0: okay. up to you. Yeah, so when I wasn't on birth control, I still had a pretty light period, like it was heavy for like a day
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then like I didn't even have to wear anything, like I could just, every time I went to the bathroom and wiped, I was like, oh, there it is, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then so now that I'm on birth control, it um, it's like even lighter, like I have no heavy days and it lasts maybe like three days. Yeah. Like is that regular just to even like just have a little...
2: It is regular. So even if you, it's still within normal to bleed for like two days Mm -hmm. and just have, you know, a moderate to minimal amount um, (laughs) of blood. Um, When you have thinner or less blood, and maybe the blood is more pink than red, that can also be from iron deficiency or anemia or something or something that's thinning out the blood. So there's You know, it's more diluted, right? So that's why it looks pinker than red. Did you feel like you have pinker blood before?
0: Like notice.
2: Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's fine. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things that can cause light periods. It can be hormonal imbalance, um, but it's still technically within normal to have about two days of bleeding. Um, just kind of depends. And I mean. It, it depends on your routine too. Someone who exercises more or is an athlete will probably have a lighter period just because of all the hormonal factors that get affected by that higher activity level, higher metabolism, you know, more oxygen in your blood, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That reminds me of something I saw on TikTok the other day. And I want to see if this is true. Okay. Okay. It says menstruation is when the female body flushes out its uterine lining. The body achieves this by lowering lowering estrogen levels and raising testosterone. Is that true?
2: Okay, so it's kind of true.
0: Okay, but I'm not finished. Okay. I just want, okay. And then, so that time of the month is actually when female hormones most closely resemble male hormones. So if you're a man who's got a problem with women's period attitudes, just know that's how you act all the time. Do you believe the statement is true?
2: I don't know about the last part, Um, but it is true. So when you bleed, you're clearing out the lining of your uterus. And it is because of a drop in progesterone, not directly estrogen. Estrogen drops a little bit earlier in the cycle, but progesterone lines up with when you start to bleed. And then because estrogen has dropped and then progesterone dropped right before you started bleeding those hormones are at their lowest point. Mm -hmm. And so testosterone is higher only because testosterone stays more level, more steady throughout your whole cycle. It does peak at one point, but it pretty much stays about the same. And those estrogen and progesterone just tend to drop below testosterone, so at that point in your cycle, testosterone is higher than estrogen and progesterone, but it it's not that it rises necessarily. Oh. Um, so that is what they say accounts for like having uh more of a sex drive during your period and things like that that are more like testosterone, um, stereotypically. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I don't know about like that's why we act that way. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people are more irritable and aggressive, but you can be that way even before your bleeding begins, like during your PMS phase, Yeah, your, your, what's really known as your luteal phase. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> My next question is with questions. What's a consequence of not ovulating when on birth control? Would we have periods for more of our life than we would if we didn't take birth control? like would if we didn't take birth control and our period would stop say like 45 or something or 45 but if we did take birth control would it maybe stop for a few years would it stop when we were like 48 because we didn't get rid of those eggs you think it saves up lives (laughs) (laughs)
2: well if we're not ovulating those eggs so i'll say this okay I don't know that it, you would necessarily prolong menopause, right? However, for a lot of women who have painful periods, they opt to get hysterectomies or other surgeries that are going to stop their cycle because they don't want to have the pain. And so I think if you ovulated and got control of your cycle, then you would avoid surgeries like that. Some more women would make it to a true menopause. However, I don't know of any research indicating that you would prolong menopause. There's even really hardly any research on why women experience menopause at different ages. You know, some women are like 35 and some women are 55. You know, it's a very big range. It's hard to say like what actually triggers that. And in terms of like, is are you storing eggs or you have more eggs longer? It depends because there are theories on whether we have all our eggs from the time we're born or whether we produce eggs with cycles or um, so it's hard to say that it would like mean you had more or less eggs to give. But in terms of benefits of ovulating, one is again for body awareness, right? If you know that your cycle is regular and you ovulate regularly, you will be more likely to notice if something is wrong. And that something wrong may be hormonally, but it may be something else in your body that because it's going on, it's throwing off your hormones, like a sickness or cancer or anything, really. Because like I said, your period is kind of like a vital sign or a monthly report card. It's going to alert you if something is going on somewhere in your body, if it's thrown off, when it's typically regular, while you're off birth control, that being said. but. In addition to that, if you're ovulating, that means you are producing your own progesterone, okay? We need to ovulate in order to produce progesterone. That's the only way we do it because when we ovulate, our body actually creates this little organ. Each cycle, it creates this organ called a corpus luteum, and this organ's only job is to produce progesterone, okay? And we have progesterone because it helps to nourish a pregnancy early on, like it thickens the uterus and just nourishes an early pregnancy, um, which is why having better progesterone is linked to having better fertility. And then if we don't become pregnant, then our progesterone plummets and gets us to bleed so we can clear out the corpus luteum and the uterine lining that we build up and everything because we don't need it, right? So progesterone brings a lot of benefits because it is the balance the counterbalance to estrogen right which is our other like main reproductive hormone and with a lot of hormonal birth controls more so today they are only progesterone so they're only replacing your progesterone they're not replacing your estrogen however the progesterone that they replace it with is really called a progestin because it's not really progesterone, only does pr- the job of suppressing ovulation. It doesn't give all those counterbalance effects to what estrogen does. Okay, so progesterone helps to balance things like your mood and your metabolism and your stress response cycle and your hair growth and all these things. It's the counterbalance of estrogen for so that you maintain you know, a good healthy level of all those things in your body. But without progesterone pulling that weight, because it's only doing one part of progesterone's job as the synthetic version, right? You don't have that counterbalance. So without progesterone, meaning without ovulation, you have more mood swings, more irritability, more fatigue, more headaches, more what else did I say lower metabolism, some more weight gain, things like that. So that's the benefit of having ovulation so that you can produce progesterone. Mm, interesting, yeah, and get the full benefit rather than just a little bit of the benefit. Mm. But again, for some people, if you're on birth control and you're not experiencing, you know, chronic fatigue or headaches or weight gain or any of those things, then hey, more power to you. Stay on it if you, especially if you know your cycle was regular before you had no problems and it's fine. But you know, if you're like, man, I have this fatigue, just like I can't shake. No matter what I do, I drink three cups of coffee. I'm still tired. Maybe it's your birth control. And a lot of us don't know the difference because we've been on birth control. Maybe since we were 15, 16, we don't really know what we would be like without it.
0: (laughs) Yes, Serena. Well, I'm thinking because, you know, I had that UTI and then now my urethral opening or whatever is irritated and inflamed and whatever. It won't go away. But I mean, maybe these are unrelated. I don't know. Why start taking birth control around the same time if this happened? Would birth control be the cause of the inflammation? It maybe. certainly
2: could have affected things in your inflammatory cycle and in your inflammatory uh, system. I mean, mm. yeah thrown it off a little bit
0: either that or I have to give up sugar and
1: I'm hoping
2: I mean that too yeah <laughs> <laughs> which I know unfortunately with period coaching when I do a lot of it is managing inflammation because a lot of problems with periods sends back to inflammation in the body whether it's inflammation in the gut inflammation in you know muscles and tissue it kind of all Has the same root cause, right? And so if you can do anything you can to manage that inflammation with the control you have, so like food, movement, you know, managing stress, things like that, all these things affect inflammation. And so even if, you know, maybe your inflammation is from endometriosis, I can't cure the endometriosis, but I can affect that inflammation so greatly that you have a lot less pain or you have a lot less bloating constipation, Mm -hmm. headaches, fatigue, all these things all go back to inflammation and a lot of period problems, including irregularity, severe cramping, heavy bleeding, all can relate back to inflammation. And so if you can set your body up for success to manage inflammation the best that it possibly can, you're definitely going to affect those symptoms and having chronic UTIs, definitely inflammation plays a role in that. Mm -hmm.
0: Man, I already gave up coffee. I I know.
2: I know. One of the biggest inflammatory things is sugar, and it's very hard to give up. Mm -hmm. I gave up our world.
0: I gave up wheat for like a week. And then this weekend, I was like, I just want bread. Yeah. (laughs) Can you
2: guess the five biggest inflammatory food groups? Well, food categories? Sugar. Sugar. Sugar, Yeah. We just said that. Dairy. Dairy. Wheat. Wheat,
0: wheat or
2: gluten—is that the same? It's most more just wheat.
0: Okay. Are there <laughs> more food groups than that?
2: <laughs> I mean, it's not really food groups. Food categories. I don't
0: know. Um, like well, oh, carbonated things.
2: Oh. That does affect your bladder, though.
0: Oh, okay. it
2: irritates your bladder. Um, I Don't drink carbonated things. What, McKenna?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just like junk shades. food
1: in general. Like, no to nightshades. Nightshades, like tomatoes. Just oh. Just- no oh like acidic foods no
2: again that's bad for your bladder if you have pain and urgency but
0: what can i eat should i go on the carnivore diet yeah <laughs> focus focus
1: on what you can have exactly not what you're taking what I, away.
2: that's what i promote with my clients is what can we add that is anti-inflammatory or going to balance our meals rather than what do we have to take away at least at first you know might as well try the easiest thing before we have to resort to the harder thing. But there's two more. You guys give up? Yeah. All
1: Artificial right. sweeteners. I don't know.
2: Yeah. The fourth one is alcohol. Word. And Limit the fifth, on the booze. The fifth one is vegetable oils.
0: <gasps> so I can't eat vegetables. Okay.
2: No vegetable oil. <laughs> so vegetable oil, uh, canola oil, things like that. But the good ones are like olive oil, avocado oil. Keep those coconut oil is good
0: why are oh, all the expensive things the things that are good for me
2: I know. <laughs> the heck i getting your oils from food so like fish and nuts and seeds um peanut butter. butter yeah peanut butter is good i lived a lot of my life thinking that peanut butter and almond butter and all that stuff was bad or kind of a naughty snack but in reality healthy fats do a lot more for your body than anything else
1: and protein mm-hmm. and protein. is there a little bit of fiber in there it's basically
2: yeah a lot of nutritionists that i've been following that focus around hormonal health say to have half a plate of vegetables that do not come from the ground so like no potatoes no carrots things like that oh i was like so that's half,
1: my half your
2: plate and then a quarter of it is carbohydrates, which includes fruits and root vegetables in addition to grains. Mm-hmm. And then a quarter of your plate, healthy fats, whether that's nuts or fish or-
1: Would you count- pro- Just you, like
2: a teaspoon, well, tablespoon of olive oil over your salad or whatever.
1: And then what, you, what about protein? Can you well, say protein?
2: Protein's included in your carb or your oils.
1: Mm. Or both. Or both. Just make sure there's protein, guys.
0: So what are foods that you generally recommend to add to decrease inflammation?
2: Okay. So there's a lot of anti-inflammatory kind of like supplement foods, I would say. So things like ginger and turmeric, seeds, nuts and seeds are really good. Things that are referred to as like superfoods. So like a lot of legumes and spinach, um, the good oil so like fish salmon is really good and just kind of like thinking about where you can add more vegetables to your mm-hmm. day
0: mm-hmm.
2: some more fatty oils to your day like I actually recently watched a lecture and she we were talking about what to eat pre-workout right because there's so much on the market that's really like you don't really know what to trust and what to believe and like do i have a protein shake do i need that much protein before i work out and she honestly was like eat a banana with some nut butter Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's all you need Mm
1: -hmm.
2: or her other recommendation was like mix coconut oil or mct oil into a cup of tea and have that before you work out
0: i've seen that before like people that
2: that healthy fats goes a lot further than like a protein shake
0: yeah, people I've seen that before where they put like some coconut oil like in their coffee.
2: And it helps you, I hear, to burn like stored fat before you're burning um, fat from food you like recently ate like this.
1: Hmm. Um, the dietitian I keep up with, she says that if your goal is building muscle to like obviously enjoy fats throughout the day because fats are fine fats are good but kind of minimize them two hours before two hours after your workout because fats can slow down muscle growth
2: yeah and i mean it's kind of like every dietitian or nutritionist that you watch online or find they're gonna have their own recommendations and none of them are wrong yeah. you know each person has their own philosophy their own learning that goes behind that and a lot of it's true it's just whatever works best for you
1: yeah I use them as maybe a guideline if I'm trying to decide between things to have but I just eat what feels and good I beforehand think,
2: I think a lot of the talk around healthy fats and including them like pre-workout or just you know in your snacks and things is because One, they're pretty satiating, you know, a spoonful of like almond butter, not that it's filling, but it just like, I don't know, gives you just enough that you're like, okay, I'm good for now. It's pretty, like, because that's not just, that's
1: not just fat though. Like it's totally different from like olive oil or something. Like it has the fiber and the protein in it too. It has all three of those things that are best at satiating you.
2: Yeah. But I mean, really to get a good amount of protein from nuts, you have to eat a solid handful and you're not having like that much nut butter. You're having like a spoonful.
0: Well, maybe you want.
2: But then a lot of it too is to balance your blood sugar because, you know, even if you don't have a problem with blood sugar, like you don't have diabetes, it's still, you know, daily occurrence in your body and your blood, there's sugar there. Right. And so preventing your body from going from one extreme to another you want to have something that's going to kind of balance and fats tend to kind of be that balance like if you're having maybe something really base and carb heavy and then something really like sugar heavy like fruit or something having that healthy fat is going to come right in between Mm -hmm. and kind of like bring both extremes to the middle
0: okay okay so let's get off the food so Tori I will ask you a question because that's not what we've been doing this whole time besides like birth control what is something that you know now after getting you know all this experience and being taught about it what is something you know now about your period that you didn't know before is there something that you either were never taught without going into like specifics or something you used to do that you shouldn't have done stuff
2: well I would say um I never knew that there were four different phases to our cycle Mm -hmm. and that those phases are obviously linked to fluctuations in certain hormones and so can kind of be a sign of how our energy, uh, our cravings, our, you know, whatever fluctuates throughout the month. Mm -hmm. So your period has four cycles. So obviously your menstrual cycle, right? And that's when you bleed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's actually day one of your cycle is the first day you bleed, which I didn't know. I always pictured my bleeding as the end of my cycle and Mm -hmm. not the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you go into your follicular phase, which is when um, follicles that have been developing for a hundred days in your ovaries finally are kind of like ripe enough to be like, all right, pick one of us so we can get an egg in there, right? (laughs) And then from follicular we ovulate. So that egg travels from our ovaries to our uterus to try to link up with some sperm and implant. And then from ovulation, we go into luteal, which is the phase when we're producing that progesterone. And during luteal, because our progesterone is going up and then crashing, we have a big dip in our energy levels often. So we have less energy, we're less focused. Um, Things like that is often linked. And it's, you know, it's not necessarily the same for everyone. But if you start to kind of pay attention to it, you might notice, oh, hey, why am I like so tired this week? Like, this is so weird. Oh, wait, I'm in luteal phase. Mm. you know and you start to pick up that there is really a pattern and then from luteal you go back into menstrual as opposed to your follicular phase your estrogen is climbing and it peaks during ovulation and that's tends to be when you have the most energy the most sex drive the most just like focus like you you're like out there to get stuff done come up with lots of ideas bang them out and then, you know, after ovulation, you, like, dip, and then, obviously, during menstruation, most people are pretty tired, low energy, you want to lay on the couch, like, um, eat a lot of junk food, because you have, like, no hormones working for you, so yeah, so I would say just learning about my cycle was empowering for me to notice patterns in my body, and start to use them to my advantage, Mm -hmm. like, there are whole courses out there that teach you you know, how to use your cycle to your advantage, you know, like, if you own a business, or if you're in school, plan to do certain things around this part of your cycle, or this part, because you're going to have more energy, or you're going to have more motivation, or whatever.
1: It's weird that you weren't taught that, because I was taught that at both of the high schools I went to. Oh, really? I was, I was yeah. not
0: taught that.
1: Yeah, also <laughs> and, and I, was- and Lassiter like- both
0: taught yeah, me. Was
2: just taught that you had menstrual phase, and the rest (laughs) the other part
0: (laughs) yeah pretty much that's what I was taught um well in health we would watch the biggest loser all the time um which was kind of a toxic thing to watch in health class not kind of (laughs) and then we had um this lady come in and like talk to us about abstinence and I was like Mm -hmm. it was very weird and I was like what What school are you at?
2: That's my goal. My goal is to get to a 1,000 followers on TikTok, which I'm at like 800 right now. Because then I can go live and I want to like just provide free live sex ed, basically. Yeah. Like it's crazy some of the basics that we aren't taught, whether it's about menstruation and periods or it's about sex or, you know, like whatever. Okay. Okay.
1: So one of your TikToks mentioned that um at least people who like have an actual like menstrual cycle not people on hormonal birth control you're not fertile every day like can you go into that please? yeah
2: so this is another sex ed myth for me I think I was terrified into thinking that at any moment if I wasn't taking my birth control I could become pregnant right when in reality it's not true You can only become pregnant when you ovulate and you only ovulate once a month. However, you're fertile for about six, maybe seven days of the month. And that is because sperm can live up to five days in the uterus or in the uh, fallopian tubes or wherever they end up. Um, They can live for five days. So if you ovulate, you only ovulate at one time of one day, right? they tend to say a two to three day window because you can't really pinpoint the exact time you're going to ovulate. Right. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So ovulation. So you can only use sperm to fertilize the egg that have been put inside the uterus within the previous five days or else they would not be alive. Right. And after ovulation, you've already ovulated. You can't get pregnant. However, You have to know that you already ovulated in order to know that you're not going to get pregnant. So you have to kind of be tracking your cycles and tracking your ovulation in order to be able to figure out when you actually ovulate. But really, yeah, you're only fertile about six days of your cycle, which I was so terrified. I could become pregnant at any time
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) if I had only known and then that makes you think why would i take a pill every single day mm-hmm. when i could really just pay attention to when those six days are and either not have sex or just use another form of birth control like a condom or pulling out or whatever
1: whoa
0: don't pull out what? don't do that oh if it's your only
2: form of birth control though it
0: is a valid form. if it's all it's available to you then yes i mean i mean i think that is one abstinence <laughs>
1: But just so you guys, just so listeners know, there is like what pre ejaculation sperm or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they don't all come out at the end, they it come out beforehand. The
2: pre ejaculation, like the stuff that comes out, does contain sperm. However, it is a pretty low count. So it's pretty low, low risk that you would get pregnant from that. But it is possible. It could be that one in a million. Um, I don't know if that's the real stat, but <laughs> I'm just saying one in a million. Yeah. And I mean, tracking your cycle and basing your entire birth control off of tracking is assuming that that is your only form of birth control. So no condoms, no anything. So saying that during those six days, you have to be careful doesn't mean you have to abstain. It just means those are six days you use a condom or those Mm -hmm. are six days you use some other sort of barrier method likely.
1: So what about in TV shows? I'm remembering friends right now they have these like sticks that you pee on that say whether you're ovulating. Mm-hmm. At that point, is it too late or is, with, is it within that like several day window?
2: No, you can use those. The only thing is um, with some women, especially women who have PCOS, which is um, a syndrome that flip, like throws off your cycle, makes you really irregular. Um, they're not very reliant. So unless you know for sure, like if you're pretty regular or you know it's not PCOS, then they're probably pretty reliable for you, but um, they're not reliable for all women to pinpoint your ovulation. But yeah, there are ovulation test strips that you could use. So I am editing and I realized I didn't really answer McKenna's question. I think she was trying to get at, can you use ovulation test strips to tell when you are within that six day window and the answer is no because those test strips only will tell you when you are actually ovulating they won't tell you when you're within that five day window of sperm being you know ready to fertilize an egg and being living so the answer is no it will only tell you when you're actually ovulating but it won't tell you anything about entering that six day window um however the more reliant things to track your ovulation manually. And so the way you do that is kind of a big commitment because you have to do it every day, just like taking birth control. I recommend choosing two of the three methods to track ovulation and they are tracking your basal body temperature, which is the temperature um, that you have when you first wake up. Okay. Cause that is the lowest temperature you have all day is right when you wake up. And I mean, right when you wake up, you know, you keep a thermometer in your bed, side table or whatever, and you take it when you wake up and you track that number. When you get closer to ovulation, your temperature will rise pretty consistently. However, it's relatively subtle. So if you're not tracking every single day, you're not going to notice the change. And then the other two are cervical position. So your cervix gets like softer and higher when you're ovulating compared to the rest of your cycle where it's harder, it feels more like the tip of your nose um, and it sits a little bit lower. And then while you're ovulating, it feels more like your cheek and sits a little bit higher. And so obviously the only way you're gonna pick up on a difference is if you're feeling that every day, which involves sticking a finger up there to feel for your cervix, okay? Which is at the back of your uh, vaginal canal, right? That's the entrance to the uterus. And then the last way, which is easier than cervix position, cervical fluid okay so this is the discharge that you get whether it's in your underwear or it's just maybe never makes it to your underwear just sitting in your vaginal canal the consistency of that fluid so that would involve either checking your underwear or just putting it sticking a finger up doesn't have to be very far and just seeing kind of what it looks like when it comes out because there will be something on it and as you get closer to ovulation it's more of a like sticky clear egg white consistency versus the rest of the time it's a little like thicker and doesn't really stretch or anything so Mm -hmm. if you're tracking that every day you're going to notice when it starts to change and know that you're close to ovulation or you're ovulating
1: i know exactly what you're talking about i used to notice it all the time the first few years i had my period but now i'm on hormonal birth control and i haven't noticed it in a long while
2: yeah because when you're on hormonal birth control most methods you don't ovulate
1: wow
2: yeah um so that's the most reliable method is just track it for yourself if you're starting that method it's going to take a few months of kind of collecting data to really get to know your body and get to know kind of your average but that ultimately will be the most reliable if your period is somewhat regular though if your period is like all over the place you have no clue if you're even ovulating it's going to take longer before you can trust that method as your only form of birth control. Um, but if you're pretty regular, then this is a good method. Yeah. I also don't recommend just using apps to track it because they're only telling you when you ovulate based off of a formula, you know, just based off of math of when you got your period mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the average of all your cycles. And so it might be somewhat correct if you're very regular like you always get your period on day 28 or whatever Mm. but it's not going to be as reliable if you fluctuate at all or if you just have kind of an abnormal cycle so I wouldn't rely just on an app telling you unless you're tracking your temperature and cervical fluid and all that in the app because some apps are built with that in mind but a lot aren't
1: interesting another question the one the app I use does have a place where you can put that
2: your temperature and stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm not sure about temperature. There are a lot of different things you can like choose or not choose, but the like uh, fluid consistency is something you can track on there.
2: Yeah.
1: I use. Sometimes cool. we just
2: put that. I would say it's more reliable if they're asking for basal body temperature that's more reliable than tracking um, cervical fluid in an app just because they might have just kind of thrown that in there for you to track. I don't know if that's built into the formula, but likely if they're asking for a temperature, that is.
1: You can choose what you track and what you don't. So like yeah. they're not asking for anything specific right. every time. Yeah. Except for when you bleed.
2: <laughs> yeah. The most reliable ones that I've found are unfortunately like paid apps, but again, paying like $15 to be able to track your period for a year. It's not really that much, you know, We nice. hesitate to invest in our health and we don't hesitate to invest in Chipotle. Um, so $15 really isn't that much, but it's natural cycles is a really good one that is built for fertility awareness method tracking, which is kind of the whole title of that using cycle tracking for contraceptive purposes, fertility awareness method. So natural cycles is a good one. And then there is a company called Daisy, D-A-Y-S-Y, I believe. And they're um, like a whole brand. They sell their own thermometer and it's a little bit more expensive. I'm not sure exactly what, um, but that one is like kind of the gold standard for carefree fertility awareness method (laughs) tracking, because they are known to be very reliable.
1: Okay, I use Clue because it's free.
2: Yeah, Clue is a free one. Free ones, I just tend to not trust as much um, in terms of their algorithm. But if you're just using it as a place for you to look at it, that's fine. You know, it's just a place to write it down. But I would still mm-hmm. recommend kind of like doing the math yourself a little bit, you know, yeah, because I don't know for sure if they're building that into their algorithm when even though you're entering it, I don't know if they're really building it into your formula.
1: Gotcha. That is where I found that when I did used to track my weight, that my weight goes up before my period Mm -hmm. and then goes way down during it.
2: Likely because we tend to have more inflammation right before and during our period. And so we hold a little bit more water. We have a little bit more swelling and bloating and things like that
0: so our cycle is about 28 days plus or minus a few why is the moon cycle 28 days plus or minus a few
2: good question so are we mermaids
0: (laughs) or werewolves i
2: wish or both i don't know if i want to be a werewolf (laughs) all right so a lot there's a lot of controversy about whether Our cycles are linked to the lunar cycle and science has mostly said no, but I would say alternative science (laughs) has (laughs) a lot of evidence to back it up. Um, However, obviously we don't all have our period at the same time every month because we all have the same moon. Mm. But some women do try to sync their period with the moon. I don't know how they do that, but they Mm. try
0: to. Oh, no. Like, before I went on birth control, I was synced to the moon for, like, four months. I was like, this is so cool.
2: And the whole myth of that you sync up with, like, the women around you Mm. is mostly chalked up to coincidence because everyone's cycle is different so you're bound to kind of all have your period at the same time at one point and then you'll kind of be have it close together for the next few months just because that's how it works but anyway back to the moon however there is a lot of theories that back in caveman days when everyone was pretty much living the same life had the same routine eating the same things women all did have their period at the same time and that it was Linked to the moon because a lot of their routine was linked to like daylight. So Mm -hmm. their circadian rhythm, so like your sleep wake cycle, was very, very regulated and strict. And everyone pretty much got up at the same time and went to bed at the same time. So kind of their whole body's cycle, you know, menstrual, circadian, anything was all kind of the same because there just wasn't a lot of variation in their lives. And so they all, theor- it's theorized, they all had their period at the same time, and that it was in tune with the moon, because their lives were kind of more in rhythm with mm-hmm. daylight, moonlight, and so mm-hmm.
0: That is so cool. And I'm in intro to anthropology this semester, so <laughs> maybe I'll just become an anthropologist. Yes. And-
2: they also thought women having their period were, like, getting messages from God and <laughs> were like transcending the earth during this time and so whatever they said when they came back from being on their period because they would kind of all go to like some like ritual cave and hang out they would come back and whatever they would say it was just like a message from the gods so like i'll take that
0: (laughs) Some wine smoke some weed listen to what the gods tell them
2: exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) why don't we do that anymore who knows what
2: they were doing in that cave all together bleeding mm. but you know <laughs> it just feels very prompt primal and
0: mm-hmm. womanly goddess oh my gosh oh my god I also saw this tiktok that my friend showed me and um she's great tap the, she finds all the funny ones and I had her follow youtube tori so she like sent me a tiktok and it was a girl saying we don't have to wear pads and tampons but we do it to keep the world sanitary so if we collectively stopped wearing pads and tampons they the government would have to provide it for free because it would be a mess or at least they would stop taxing it like it's a luxury Mm -hmm.
2: Hmm. i agree
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i was like that is true why don't we just rebel like they don't even but know also
2: like we would ruin all our clothes
0: oh we would
2: ruin all our clothes <laughs> and that's just kind of feels also bad for the environment because we'd be buying new clothes we're mm-hmm. buying lots of chemicals to clean them <laughs>
0: it's only gonna take like a few weeks for this to come into place for so over just a few weeks you wear those crappy sweatpants you were gonna get rid of anyway and you've had for like 10 years or black leggings yeah you buy the granny panties or wear the bad underwear that's super old anyway and it's like about to break like just you know you only have to do it for a month we all just have to collectively do it for a month and then it, the world become like gross and we'll be like sorry like we're just humans like don't know what you want like more i just think I, women, I think women I hold women to spend my me.
1: money on food rather than this
0: yeah and it's like provide it to me for free because this yeah. is just because
2: tampons are hella expensive it's Mm. insane Mm. and plus when I was still using tampons I use a menstrual cup now but I would always forget to pack one and so I'd end up having to run to CVS in middle of class or something and buy another pack and Mm. so I was like buying at least one pack every month probably more because I'd be like oh shoot I'm on campus and I forgot a tampon I have to go to the student store where they jack up the price even more and buy a pack. That's when you use
0: toilet paper.
2: I did. But I mean, you can only do that on some days of your cycle.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, so in the high school, McKenna and I went to, nobody really used their lockers. But I would always get one every year because I would put a spare change of clothes in there and like a bag of tampons. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) And that was the only thing I ever put in my locker ever. That's Wait, did I get it after my senior year? (laughs) (laughs) There might just be clothes and tampons in someone's locker. I don't know.
1: Someone was like, jackpot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
2: Yeah. Um, But yeah, I agree. Like, obviously, the message there is just like it's this societal, patriarchal thing that's been enforced on us to use tampons, constantly buy them. Mm-hmm. Pay too much for them, mm-hmm. not very sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do free bleed on my lighter days a mm-hmm. lot of times. Um, I mean, kind of depending on what I'm wearing or doing, but I agree that it's okay to just like have a pair of underwear you have ruined or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. there's also a lot of talk around it being like unsanitary to use like reusable pads and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, I think it's as long as they're like 100% cotton and you wash them like it's really not unsanitary at all just don't wash them with like a lot of chemicals because you're putting them in a very sensitive area Mm -hmm. um but it's actually pretty good because it removes the moisture um, from sitting right there like if you were free bleeding nothing kind of pulls the moisture away from your um vulva and things and so that can cause infection and things like that Um,
0: but when you go to the bathroom you wipe it away right
2: right yeah but like if you don't go to the bathroom for six hours Mm -hmm. but honestly I think the best options out there are the menstrual cups and discs because they are sustainable they are easy to use they're easy to clean they are hygienic Mm -hmm. and honestly pretty worry free I never have to worry about forgetting a tampon or anything like I love my menstrual cup and I haven't tried a disc but I've heard it's pretty much the same story
0: yeah and I think because I remember we bought them together I think ours they were salt cups and they're $25 each yeah Um, and they're pretty good they do like stain after a while but like what do you own that's not stained like come on
2: for those of you without a frame of reference if you're a man $25 is three packs of tampons Mm. and I'm not even talking a big pack like a 12 pack Mm -hmm. three Mm -hmm. so I'll last you about three periods versus a menstrual cup you could use for like five to ten years and honestly I have never leaked less (laughs) like that's everyone's biggest worry when I talk to them about menstrual cups like I'm just gonna leak I bleed too heavy I'm like a, a, menstrual cup could hold your entire period unless you bleed too much and you need to get that checked out. Or honestly, I used to leak a lot with tampons because I would be lazy and not change them in time. And I have leaked like one time with my menstrual cup in the years I've been using it.
0: I'd say the hardest part is like getting it out for me. Because really? you're not supposed to tug on that thing. But I, like, only just figured it out this year. We've, we haven't had them for that long. It's been, like, I don't know, three years. it like, three years, yeah. Like, if you're sitting on the toilet, that's the easiest way to get it out.
2: Oh, yeah. What were you doing before? Standing? Yeah.
0: What? And I would have, like, my leg up and, like.
2: No. I would just sit. And you just have to squeeze it and pull down.
0: It doesn't say that on the instructions. To sit down and remove it. Sorry. <laughs> But like what I would do, because like I'm in a dorm, so it's kind of like, it can be like a bit weird. So you're supposed to take it out every 12 hours and like kind of like dump it out and rinse it a little bit. So I would go into the dorm shower when I woke up in the morning, take it out so I, it could easily clean because sometimes like it'll spill like as you're taking it out if you're standing and taking it out apparently. And then like 12 hours later, or whenever I would shower later, which was probably about 12 hours then that's when I would move it again. So uh, it's just so easy. Mm -hmm. So
2: And they say too, like if you're in like a public restroom or somewhere where you can't like rinse it, Mm -hmm. wash your hands before you go into the bathroom and then just like pull it out, dump it and put it right back in so
1: -hmm. that your hands
2: are clean. So you're not bringing really any bacteria. Mm -hmm. And then just next time you remove it, rinse it. But it's okay to not rinse it as long as you're dumping it. Mm-hmm. Um, and not doing that every single time but mm-hmm. yeah
0: but yeah yeah people are so reluctant to use them and I'm like
1: I am mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of putting stuff up there you put tampons and pads up there not tampons you but just like pads no I use uh reusable period underwear
0: oh. oh interesting
1: I just feel like it would get like gushy and soggy you'd have a soggy bottom my underwear? No, it it hardens. Okay. Actually. Do you have just any, a little, just a little.
2: Do you have pretty light periods, McKenna? Yeah. So then that's maybe a good option if you have a lighter period.
1: And I use like their lightest absorbency or like their second lightest of their four absorbencies.
2: Which, which brand is it?
1: Um NYX, K N I X. Mm-hmm. One thing before we move on to the quiz. I feel like I have the probably most unique first period experience out of us, but do you guys want to share yours and then I'll share mine?
2: I don't remember too much. I think I was in eighth grade and I remember like walking down the hallway at middle school and being like, what is going on? Like, I feel something. And I went into the bathroom and wiped and I was like, what? (laughs) No. (laughs) No. And I didn't have anything, so I just was, like, holding up some toilet paper and jammed it, and I was, like, ah! (laughs) But it was pretty, like, irregular and varying throughout the first, Mm -hmm. like, year or so, which is pretty normal. Um, If it's within your first year, it can be all over the place, and that's still normal. But, yeah, not too much of a story. I think I had gym class, though, that day, and so I was, like,
1: it's always gym class
0: yeah <laughs> mine was pretty like chill well I remember because I was almost 13 and so like I remember all my classmates were like oh my god you have like they were always complaining about it and I was like like what and they're like oh my god you haven't gotten yours yet and I'm like no thank goodness I haven't what the heck <laughs> like they would always complain about it and I'd be like okay whatever but yeah I was almost 13 we're in Australia still this was like eighth grade I mean I don't know I just like got it and then we were like about to go out to dinner and then that was it because you guys well I don't know what McKenna got her period but like we had the stuff already in the house right. and I already knew how to like put a pad on my underwear so like it wasn't that big a deal and then I just went about my business but there was one time I was in Disney World with Nana and I was wearing white shorts and like oh, I bled all over my white shorts
1: oh no it was awful <laughs> Did you, did you get new, new pants or something? Oh, I, I had a jacket and I tied my jacket.
2: I will say it wasn't my first period, but when I was in high school, uh, I was a cheerleader and I hated wearing pads for cheerleading and for games. because I just felt like you could see it or, and it wasn't comfortable to like jump and tumble or whatever in um, or stunt. And so I was just like, I need to wear a tampon. And I, hadn't tried it yet because I was nervous to try it mm-hmm. and so I kept trying and I would put it in and it would be so painful to a push it in and to be like then get up and walk around with it because I couldn't get it in far enough and I was like what is going on like this cannot be how it's supposed to be like something's wrong and like I got to the point I was like having mom putting it in for me trying to put it in and we we're like what is going on like and so my mom took me to the gynecologist, and they were like, "Oh, your hymen is closed." They were like, "I don't know how you made like no one actually makes it to like their first time with their hymen still closed. Like your hymen pretty much naturally breaks in your preteen years, or it's just broken, just like like it's a myth that your hymen is like closed until you have sex, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so my hymen was closed." like, clothes, clothes, and pretty thick, they said, and so I actually, I had surgery to open my hymen.
0: What? Oh my god. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> yeah. and
2: I went what? to truly practice that night, <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh. Um, but then I could wear a tampon, no problem, and I was very happy that I did it. I wish I would have been a PT back then, because I probably could have just done, like, some manual techniques to, like, loosen it and break it, but I got it done <laughs>
0: oh my god what the heck
2: yeah i can't believe so, you didn't know you
0: had surgery
2: if you're having severe pain putting in a tampon or inserting anything get it checked out either by OBGYN, gyn pelvic floor physical therapist
0: doctor whoever
1: oh my god um oh common, like
2: to have a closed hymen or a hymen that's just like perforated with some little holes and doesn't fully break open or it's just, like, only open a little bit. So what is
1: a hymen? Like, what is it?
2: It's just some skin covering the vaginal canal, mostly to prevent just, like, infection and stuff when you're younger and, like, peeing in diapers and stuff. McKenna, you're sorry.
1: Well, okay, so first of all, Serena, I definitely relate to, like, everyone around me being, like, you haven't gotten it? Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when we were, when I was in middle school in Pennsylvania, one quarter of the year for PE we would have swim and health Mm -hmm. and so the girls would sit out when they had their period and I never sat out and they were like well Kenna you haven't gotten it yet I was like no (laughs) but sat out either (laughs) but it wasn't long until I did I got mine on the flight from Philadelphia to LA the day we were moving to Australia (gasps) (gasps) it's a sign Oh, my gosh. I was like, "This I should have never moved. <laughs> and I heard that, like, I thought that if you were really athletic, you wouldn't get your period until you were later. And I thought it was totally because it was the first time in years where I went one month without doing sports.
2: If uh, anything, <laughs> no, it's, it it's- be like really athletic, like Olympic training for. Yeah gymnastics athletic
1: and that's not really healthy guys
2: just not normal is. school athletic
0: <laughs> yeah um and that's also like i remember whenever i would go on flights like it seems like it triggered my period to come a few days before it actually like okay. was planned so like that it probably it maybe it was just a few I'm days away. Right? in
2: pressure
0: oh, no i had to use i had to use
1: airplane <laughs> toilet
0: paper oh, just sure. wanted up And I used so much. Oh, I did not want to get
1: anything on the seat. Right. And then when we were in L.A., we had such a short time between our flights. So we were like, go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And I remember like we had brought like a change of clothes or two in our uh, carry on bags. And I remember like I changed my clothes and I had my like dirtied underwear in my bag and insecurity like something in my bag went off so they had to take my bag to the side and I was like please don't go to the bottom please don't go all the way to the bottom please don't go all the way to the bottom and they didn't no but I was
0: like oh my gosh yeah oh no
1: and I'm not gonna tell mom about it because she's already off the wall stressed yeah sure okay
0: tip if that happens to anyone the stewards on the plane have pads usually so you can always ask them that's part of their job they want to help you so
2: yeah and honestly if you're like a 13 year old coming up and you're like do you have a pad they're gonna be like oh my god honey yes like <laughs> let me yeah. take care of you like do you need a hot pack do you need ice cream like what do you need oh my, god you-, be oh my <laughs> god you should have oh my
1: god you Qantas people for yeah you probably would got day. like
2: extra dessert like they would have loaded you up honey <laughs>
0: Oh my All God. All the fizzy lemonade. I probably
2: would have been like, you need some wine. Like, I know you're 13. but like, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to Australia. It's fine.
1: <laughs> All right. So, is it quiz time? Quiz time. Oh, McKenna, your you birth control. <laughs> oh, it's supposed to
0: be the What's your preferred collection method? Pads, tampons, menstrual cup, absorbent underwear, eye free bleed, other
2: menstrual cup.
1: Menstrual absorbent underwear. Oh.
2: Wait, well, yeah, one percent on menstrual 50
1: percent absorbent
2: 50%. underwear. Zero percent, McKenna. What are you looking at?
1: No, one percent absorbent underwear. Yeah.
0: Mine says zero. Mine says one. McKenna must have clicked it <laughs> for me. Oh, oh, so she's the
2: one percent. I get it. <laughs> Wait, so I'm the one percent of menstrual cups What?
1: No, I'm, I have four no, percent. special cup's at four percent. Oh, you're okay. looking at your screen I'm looking at over it. Okay. All right. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> all right, next. Do you ever make a DIY pad out of toilet paper when you don't have anything else to use? Yes. Yes.
2: Yes, all the time.
0: Majority say yes.
2: Pretty much how, I, if I ever start my period
1: and I'm out, Yes. <laughs>
0: When your period has been hanging around too long, do you ever say, fuck it, put on dark underwear, and fle- free bleed whatever is left? Of course, I can't be dealing with this shit for days on end. No, I make sure there's 0% blood left before I stop using feminine products.
1: Um, it depends on how heavy the flow is at that time.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm just going to say no.
2: Mine's I'm been gonna light say- after the first few days, so... I a lot of times do this but sometimes just because the menstrual cup is so easy I will just put it in but I don't feel like it I don't
1: yeah like the absorbent underwear is I have to put on underwear anyway
2: yeah true especially overnight I I pretty much stop putting it in overnight after the first like two or three nights
0: yeah I put yeah I just stop mm -hmm. using it and whatever and majority people say no they wait till zero percent Do you ever leak through a tampon pad menstrual cup and have to spend the rest of the day in wet underwear even though you're a grown adult? Yup. Or no, I've never had a leak. that
2: person is lying. Never (laughs) leaked. Either your periods are the lightest shit ever or
0: you're lying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So majority of people say yup. How long does your period last? One to two days, three to four, five to six, seven or more days. Typically. five
2: to six yeah five to six sometimes seven but i'm not gonna put seven or more but
0: oh i am a three to four. Oh, mm. well because you're on the pill
2: that makes sense. no
0: before before okay it, so it hasn't changed much except in like the amount mm-hmm. so it'll be a later amount but it'll still it's it's really short yeah
2: i would say until pretty much until until I stopped using birth control I had three-day periods like even before I started I didn't start Mm -hmm. taking birth control until I was 21 um so up until then I had pretty regular pretty light and short periods Mm -hmm. and now that I've stopped taking birth control they are irregular and heavy
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay have you ever felt less crampy after taking a
1: very big shit (laughs) I'm a very fortunate person, knock on wood. I don't really get cramps. Like maybe for like 6 seconds, I'll get like a minor one.
0: I will get cramps. They're not terrible. Like they've never like kept me out of school. They've been so bad. But like I'll definitely feel them like in my booty. And then like you know you have the period poop and it's like just like a bloody um shitty mess and it's very funny. Um but then when, when we were on vacation we were in Florida I was like oh my stomach hurts it must be from that Mexican food we ate yesterday was, I was just cramping and I didn't know <laughs> but I was like oh my stomach i have a terrible stomach ache I did not you didn't know you had cramps no because it wasn't the week of my like assigned period
2: oh okay
0: it was the week before and it just yeah. from probably I years. like
2: never had cramps before birth control or during until i stopped and now i get them not terrible they're pretty mild maybe moderate on occasion never had them before not once yeah.
0: mm-hmm. um, most people say yes they definitely think cramps are worse mm-hmm. have you ever had a du- have you ever had to double up on products during a particularly heavy period yes i've used two tampons at once Yes, I've used a tampon and a pad. Yes, I've used a tampon and absorbent underwear. Yes, I've used a menstrual cup and pad. Yes, I've used a menstrual cup and absorbent underwear. No, I've never done this.
1: I've done it with a tampon and absorbent underwear. Not because it's really heavy, but because I'm going to be working for hours straight and I don't need to deal with anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like at some point I used to do a tampon and a pad or like a liner, mm-hmm. um, like especially in high school. But I know mom told me she used to do two, pan- two tampons at once. Just worse, <laughs> she said.
0: Jeez, dang. Wow. I mean, she's a busy that, lady.
2: That terrified me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terrifies me now. Um, most people say they've never doubled up. Interesting. Or maybe not most people, but forty, percent, half. which is the highest percentage of this. Do you ever leave a pad, tampon, menstrual cup in for longer than recommended? All the time. I try not to, but it inevitably happens. I would never do that, and I'm about to lecture you about toxic shock syndrome in the <laughs> comment section.
2: <laughs> in high school, all the time. All the time, I would leave my tampons in for too long, but now I try not to. But it does happen
0: yeah i try not to but it does happen because
2: i just forget yeah especially on lighter days you're like yeah i'll wait an hour and then like four hours passes you're
0: like (laughs) you also have to change like a tampon every time you pee basically so
2: i did not do that (gasps) ew i'm i so should have had toxic shock
1: Jeez, Tori, that's gross. You have I wanted, it. I I I don't do that either when I like I like maybe the second time I pee, I'll take it out, mainly cuz I I have to poop and it'll just come <laughs> out anyway. Ew, what? You pull well, cuz like the, the pressure room? the pressure from like your rectum pushes you push on the out, tampon yeah. and pushes the tampon out. Wow.
2: Yeah. I, I never push mine out, but it certainly can.
0: Oh, my God. I would take it out every time I went to the bathroom. That's why I'm like, these are so environmentally friendly.
2: Oh, no. I'd wear it for, like, 14 hours.
1: (gasps) That's too long. Oh, my
0: God.
2: Nine hours is the max, people, in case you're wondering.
1: Yeah, normally I just, like, wear it. Like, when I do double up, I wear the tampon. I obviously put on the absorbent underwear in the morning. But I'll put it on the tampon before work. And then I'll take out the tampon at lunch and then just go off the absorbent underwear the rest of the day.
2: Yeah. Are you the same that like, I call my mornings like the big flood or like the great wave?
0: Oh, yeah. always
2: way heavier in the mornings because like the wave from not being horizontal any longer.
0: Yeah. No, literally I'll stand up and I'll be like, like a whoosh and I'll be like, (laughs) So, like, I'm
2: always super heavy the first, like, couple hours I'm awake. Yeah. And it lightens out
0: through the rest of the day. <laughs> All right. The next question makes me mad. Do you mm-hmm. ever flush your feminine products? You're not supposed no. to. I totally do sometimes. Yes, I flush them. No, I never do. No. Never.
1: Oh, I've never w- done that. I don't want to clog the toilet. Yeah. Exactly. People you- don't know. I People don't know. Me- need to know what I'm going through. But
2: Maybe. I would say if people are doing this because they don't want to, people other people to see their products in the trash because I used to be very terrified of someone like looking in the trash bin and being like "Ew, Tori has her period like even if there's like a lot of people that it could be so I would get very artful to like hide it in the trash (laughs) like I would find like a toilet paper roll and put it inside or like wrap it up Um, eventually I stopped caring and I would just save like the wrapper and put Mm -hmm. it back inside of that Mm -hmm. and I didn't care that people knew it was a wrapper but I was very creative Mm -hmm. for a long time
0: (laughs) yeah yeah No, you're not supposed to flush your feminine products and you're even though they're called flushable wipes please do not flush them they Mm -hmm. are just because they can go down a toilet does not mean that they are good they do not break down in wastewater treatment centers like they will stay the exact same for years they do not break down the environment
1: please don't flush flushable they can clog your toilet too they cannot yes not they- just the environment's problem yeah, your problem also
2: most people said they don't do it so
1: but 34% say they have mm. 15% are like yeah I flush them 19% you're not supposed to but I totally do it's like 15% of people. Yeah, that's too much. Like, yeah, whatever. Come on. Um, 2022. I hope they get cramped.
0: (laughs) Do you ever try to run from the shower to your room when you're on your period and accidentally leave little blood drops like a trail behind you? What the fuck? It happens.
2: (laughs) I don't know about running from the shower to my room. That's odd. Like, why wouldn't you just put something in before you went to your room? But I would say. Sometimes I walk around the bathroom like if I'm about to get in the shower and I just took out my cup and I'm like, I need to grab something and then get in the shower. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely familiar with the blood drop
0: trail. Yeah. Yeah, we know that. I'll say yes for that reason. Yeah, me too. Um, what do you do with your stained underwear? Throw them out and buy new ones, wash them and use them again next month. It's just gonna happen again. Yeah. Wash and use again. Yeah, wash and use again.
2: Good. I'm glad most people said that too.
0: <laughs> Um, have you ever tried to put a tampon in but there was already one there ah yes ah good god no no I've never done no that.
2: no because I I love taking tampons out <laughs> or my menstrual cup to just see what collection. yeah
0: see what's happened
2: I was like ooh, let's see <laughs> I'll never forget
0: <laughs> have you ever bled through your underwear and pants no, I'm very careful. Yes, that happened to me. Happened
2: oh, but going back to the last one, I'm pretty sure mom told me about a time that she had her period and there was still tampon in from her last period.
1: Just <gasps> because she's she will double up on tampons sometimes. Exactly, we
2: yeah. would forget she had two and only take out one.
0: Oh my god! What did they teach people in the 80s? I know. I know. God,
2: <laughs> so bad. Don't recommend. And a lot of people do that and. Sometimes like it kind of gets like almost not implanted, but like stuff starts growing around it to kind of like mm-hmm. make it part of the environment. Ew. Well, 16% okay.
1: of people said that it's happened to them where they put one in and they didn't they forgot there was one still in there.
2: Yeah. Have you ever bled through your underwear and pants? Of course. What?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like PJ pants. but never like out in public or anything really
2: oh all the time
1: like when i'm sleeping usually
2: it's like down low enough that no one can really see so Mm
0: -hmm. okay next do you ever have sex on your period absolutely not maybe not on the heavy days but yeah we'll work around it yes all the time no comment (laughs) i
2: would say not on heavy days but i have
0: Ditto. Um, most people say absolutely not. Most people say absolutely not. I'm shocked.
2: I mean, those people probably never been in a long distance relationship,
1: but also, no you got certain amount of time. Yeah, Serena, I see you. No comment. Know yourself, know what you're gonna do, know what your flow is like. Yes, no what kind of towel are
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and definitely if you don't typically use condoms or something use it then because it's still blood so it can still carry infections and things which yes obviously if they are having sex with you they're already at risk for that but blood is still like hazardous waste if it does not bloodborne matter.
1: pathogens
2: so so be extra precautious if you are bleeding okay what was it okay? Awesome. Thanks for listening
0: this week. You can find.
2: I hope me. I answered your questions. Okay. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, you did good.
2: Go sorry. ahead, sorry, I'll Start
0: out. Promote this on your TikTok, though. Okay, Tori.
2: Yes. This one also. Yes. And shameless plug: my TikTok and Instagram, I the Virgo underscore PT. I am, as you know, a public health physical therapist. So I do. In-home physical therapy visits, if you live close to me, which is in Davenport, Florida. I also do a virtual consultation for public health physical therapy. And I do virtual period coaching. So trying to get your period regular and on track so it's not standing in the way of things like school and work and, you know, careers, motivation, fun stuff. So check me out. Um, there's links on all that stuff to schedule a free call with me, get to know what I do. And if it's right for you, yeah shameless plug there but we're talking about it so
0: (laughs) all right thanks for listening if you haven't listened to last week's podcast we talked more about um Tori as a pelvic floor PT she gave us some guidance about our pelvic floor and other issues that I will be listening to again this weekend
1: and join us next week because Serena will not be able to record with us So Tori and I will talk about our experience in the Disney College Program, and hopefully we can record that when I'm visiting her this weekend. Yeah, yay!
0: Oh my god, I thought I thought this was called Long Distance Sisters. (laughs) Okay, you're not supposed to be together. We're just Just separate rooms
2: for how often we see each other. Yeah. (laughs) All right.
1: Have a good night, everyone. Good night, guys. Or good morning or good afternoon. Thanks for listening. Drive safe. Thanks for listening to
2: this week's Long Distance Sisters. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes and leave a good review.
1: And check out the video version on our YouTube channel. You can find all of our other social media information in the description.
2: Talk to you later.
1: Bye. Bye.